The God's purpose of Christmas. We want to know why do we celebrate Christmas and what is Christmas for? Well, very easy. Why did Jesus come into the world? This is the question people want to know. Why did Jesus even come into the world? There are three basic things, three basic principles here. Number one, say it with me, to destroy the works of the devil. Can you imagine that? God, in his great plan, said, I'm going to send my son into the world. The world is so corrupt. The world is so full of sin. And my son Jesus is going to destroy the works of the devil in your lives. You do not want to be controlled by the devil, do you? I don't. I mean, I, I just get, man, I, I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. I want to be a man of God. Men and your households, you need to be men of God. Amen? Yes. Can hear all the women saying that. Yeah, amen. Get that, get that guy, Jesus. And you women, you want to be Spirit-filled women. And this is what I pray for my sons. I pray that you would be Spirit-filled men of God. And that's what attracts a woman to a man that says, Matt, I, I want a guy that's spirit-filled, a Christian woman that, that is saying, I want, to be, I want a guy that's going to be a, a leader for Christ. And you women, if you want to get a godly man, you be a woman of God and say, I want to be a spirit-filled woman and let God do the work and he'll draw that right man into your life. So look what it says here. Read it with me in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You see that? Why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil, to destroy anything that Satan is trying to do. Satan brings, temptation in your, Satan brings the temptations. He tries to get you to live apart from God. The devil is trying to manipulate you into thinking that you are not worthy of God's grace and God's righteous uh, uh, good things. But God is saying, I have come to destroy those things that Satan has brought. Now, it's so neat because look at here, the word for destroy is the word luo. Say that word, luo. It means, it's a Greek word which means to loosen or destroy. A real powerful word. We don't even think about that. But whatever you're shackled to in your life, whatever habit it is, whatever addiction it is, God said, I sent my son Jesus into the world to destroy those chains that are trying to bind you and to bring you out of that darkness into light. And that's why I like this verse right here in Acts chapter 16 because what had happened in the book of Acts Paul and Silas were in prison, shackled in their chains. There was a Philippian guard taking, watching over, making sure they did not escape. But then in Acts 16, 26, it says, read it with me, suddenly there was a great earthquake, and so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. What's the word for loosed? It's luo, destroyed. It's the same Greek word, loosed. In fact, when you study Greek, 
in seminary, the, almost the very first word you, word you learn is luo. It's, uh, then you conjugate luo, I was luoed, you were luoed, they were luoed, and so forth. And the feminine, and tense, the future tense, and the, and the um, subjunctive tense, and all the words of luo. God has luoed you through the power of Jesus Christ. He's broken the chains of your life. What I like so much in what happens in real life, and you heard the story about James Bain? James Bain was sentenced to prison 35 years ago for a crime. Just think, he was in prison for 35 years, as long as Yvonne and I have been married, 1974. In 35 years, we've had four children, we've had grandchildren, we've enjoyed life. James Bain has been behind bars for 35 years. Then just recently through a program that the government has established, a DNA test was taken to determine whether James Bain had committed this crime. And it turned up negative. They found out after 35 years they'd imprisoned the wrong man. For 35 years, James Bain had been behind bars, convicted of a crime he did not commit. Can you imagine that, being in prison and for 35 years with other prisoners and those, those who have had criminal charges pressed against them and who were guilty, there he was, an innocent man behind bars with all these, these men who had actually done the crimes. They took the DNA test, found it, that he was not guilty. In fact, they gave him a T-shirt that said, not guilty. He called up his mother for the first time in 35 years. This man, who had never even held a cell phone in his hand, called his mother from a cell phone. This, the technology had changed in 35 years. And Mom, I've been set free. I'm, I'm no longer a prisoner. I'm coming home. You know what he said? I'm not angry. The, the cameras were on him and the interviewers and the press was there. He says, I'm not angry. I've got God. Because within those 35 years, James Bain had accepted Jesus Christ. He had given his life to God, and, and, he, and, he, and he was not a bitter man. He's, even though man threw all these charges against me and man was wrong, uh, God declared me righteous because of what Jesus had done on the cross. Hallelujah. Not guilty. You are not guilty because Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is about freedom. Christmas is about God sending his son Jesus into our world so that we could be set free. The chain's broken. James Bain was set, broke, set free. The chains were broken because of what Jesus had done. You see, it's very easy to become bitter. Bitterness can destroy you. If there's any bitterness in your life, God is saying, I want to destroy that bitterness in your life. I want to set you free. I want to break those chains of bitterness in your life. I want to be like my son Jesus. My son Jesus came to break those chains of bitterness. What is it in your life that you are not giving to God that you're still shackled to? And God is saying, I want to set you free. That's why we're celebrating Christmas. Anytime you hear the word Christmas, think of broken chains. That's what Christmas is about. Broken chains. 
Then number two, the reason why Jesus came into the world was, read it with me, to provide a new and living way. To provide a new and living way. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 22, read it with me. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. God sent his son Jesus. Christmas is about a new and living way. Christ came into the world to give us a new and living way. You see, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 here, it, what is describing is that the, the, the priests of the Old Testament had an old way. They, had, they, they, they slaughtered the animals as sacrifices for the sins of the people. God has said, I'm going to send my son Jesus into the world as a sacrifice once and for all, for all the sins. That means we're all covered. Now that we have this new and living way, Christ is our example on how to live this new way. It's just like the testimony of Bobby this morning. Bobby, thank you for that testimony. That was awesome. Bobby said, there was an old way. I didn't like that way. But man, God changed me, and now I have a new way. Amen? That's because the chains were broken. Declared righteous in the name of God by what Jesus has done. A new and living way. How many of you want this new and living way? Raise your hand. I know I do. I want, I want to live this new way. I want to live the new way in Christ. I don't like the old Louie. 35 years ago when I met my wife, I was just, you know, well, we all grow up, right, men? Is that we eventually, you, you hopefully you're, you mature a little bit more and more, and, and God has given us wonderful wives to refine us and to, to help us along the way. We think we got it. We think we understand. When my wife and I got married 35 years ago, we lived in, in Santa Cruz. How many of you have ever been to Santa Cruz? Well, good. No, don't ever go there. That's just uh, no. It's a beautiful place in the world. I love, Santa Cruz is very beautiful, but it's one of those new age hippie places, kind of like Ocean Beach. <laughs> now Craig's an Ocean Beach guy, but that's the way it all is in Santa Cruz. It's just this new, uh, this um, kind of like this uh, hippie lifestyle. And but it was awesome. Uh, uh, how many of you went out to the Christmas parade on, on Ocean Beach? Hey, there we were, able to, to tell people about Christ. We were holding the, the banners that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said to follow me. Jesus said, I, I have come into the world to give you new life. And so we had all these banners telling the thousands of people there on the sidelines that were applauding. And just as our banner, as our parade, uh, our segment of the parade was going through, people were applauding. People were saying, man, right on. They were happy. They were just excited because it was a... New and living way, and people are tired of this old way. You see, what you have is an opportunity in your life. What you have is a, an example to shine Christ where there's darkness. Everywhere we go, people are suffering and hurting. They find out that money is not going to bring the answer to their problems. Uh, sex is not going to bring the answer to their problems. Uh, all sorts of fame or education, none of those things are going to satisfy them. 
But Christ, the new and living way, is what they're looking for. And we as a church here at Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship have the truth through the power of Christ to bring people through this new and living way. That's why I like what it says in John 10.10. Read it with me. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the thief? That's the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's why Christ came. So that you can have life, man, the most abundant life, the most fulfilled life, the most exciting life, the, most, the life that is most pleasurable because you're living for God. Even the Apostle Paul, who was in prison, was excited. He, you know, he was, he was living full of joy. Even in prison, he was singing hymns and, and praising God in prison. Other prisoners say, what are you doing praising God? We're in prison, man. And Paul said, man, I've got Jesus in my heart. I'm excited because God is living in me. And that's when the earthquake came and, and broke the chains. That's what God wants to do in your life. The moment you say, I'm going to commit my life to Christ, all of a sudden you discover, hey, there's a new and living way. There's a more powerful way. I'm going to give my life to Christ. Now, here we have the third reason why Jesus came into the world. Read it with me. To give me access to God's kingdom. Jesus came. The reason why we celebrate Christmas is because we're declaring the greatest gift. God gives me access to his kingdom through Jesus Christ. And that's why he says in John 14, 6, read it with me. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Got a couple of Pentecostals back there. All right. What you find is that access to God, reason why Jesus came from heaven to earth, the reason why we celebrate Christmas is to know that we now have entrance into the kingdom of God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And that's why Matthew 5.20 says, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus was saying here, he was talking to the people, the Jews, who knew that the Pharisees and the scribes were holy people, and that according to their customs. Nobody in, in Jerusalem or in Jesus' time thought of anybody as more religious than the scribes and the Pharisees. They was, these were the religious leaders. But the problem with these religious leaders was that they kind of went, they kind of were a little bit holier than the thou and their, and their personalities. They thought, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm, I'm a holier than that guy over there in the gutter, and I'm, I'm more righteous than that guy over there in the bar, and, and so I'm a pretty good person. And they you look out, get out of my way. Give me the, the best seat in the house and, and make, I want the, the best deals in town. And the butcher, you give me the best cut of beef. And I want, and I want that top sirloin that's, you know, the, 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 the most tender. And they would do all these special favors for the high priest because he was the high priest. And Jesus was saying to the people, you know what? If you want to get into, the, want to get into God's kingdom, 
you've got to be better than the high priests. You've got to be better than the religious leaders. You have to be better than the law keepers, the scribes. How are you going to do that? And everybody kind of like, I don't know if I, I, I can't, how can I attain that, that height? I, I, I'm just a regular sinner. I'll never get to that standard. It'd just be like saying, unless you are as good as Billy Graham, you can't get into heaven. Oh, man, how am I going to ever be as good as Billy Graham? I, I don't know if I can live up to that standard like Billy Graham. That's what Jesus was saying. Who can get, that means who can get into God's kingdom then? Well, the Bible says, well, God's standard for entering his kingdom is perfection. Did you know that? You can't get into God's kingdom unless you are perfect. Okay. Now, all of us are saying, well, then that leaves me out because, uh, boy, I'm, I'm just having re- How many of you ever said that? Well, I'm not perfect. Okay. We've all said that, so therefore none of us can get into heaven. What God is saying, though, look at this verse here, Matthew 121. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the Savior. And that's what this whole verse is about, is that you can enter heaven if you have been washed by the blood of Jesus, because only the blood of Jesus can wash away the stains of your sins and wash away all of your darkness in your heart and cleanse you. That's what it's all about. Jesus came into the world to give us access into the kingdom of God. He takes away all of our sins. Now, this is really important here because we need to know how Christmas should change me. Now, we know why Jesus came into the world, but now that you know that, what are you going to do about it? And this is an important part. Okay, I know Jesus came into the world to save me from sins, but what do I need to do now? What is my responsibility? What is the responsibility of the church? What is my responsibility here as a believer now in San Diego? What do I need to do? Well, the Bible gives us some examples. This is what I need to do. I should evaluate my commitment to Christ. I need to evaluate my commitment to Christ. Because of Christmas, because of what Christ has done, come into the world, I need to evaluate. Where do I stand with God? What is my commitment to Christ? We have this example of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, when he was finally spent all of his money, he was living in a land where he had just lived it up, and now he had, was living in the gutter. He said, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. You see what's important here is that because of this father, this young man said, I'm going to make a commitment to God. I'm going to commit my life to God. I'm going to recommit my life. I'm going to, he came to his senses. Have you ever done that in your life when you finally just came to your senses? You said, wait a minute, what am I doing? 
this is not right. I, I need to go and ask for forgiveness, or I, I need to go the opposite direction. I'm going the wrong way. Now, a lot of you have GPS in your car, and some of those GPSs can be wrong, though. We live on a street where I get, I don't know why, but people want to, where we live located here in Sarah Mesa, people are always driving down our street. They're looking to get to Mission Valley. They get off the freeway, and they think that to get to Mission Valley, they need to go to, to where we live, but they find out this is a dead end, or this is not going to take me there. And they even roll down their winter windows when I'm doing my gardening out front. They say, sir, can you tell me how to get to Mission Valley? My GPS says, turn right here. And, and I did turn right, but it didn't work. And I said, well, your GPS is wrong. You need to go left instead of right. The problem with a lot of our lives is that we have tuned in to the wrong GPS. You're going on by, based on feelings. Everybody tell you just go by your gut feeling and you've been wrong? The Bible is the only way that you can know whether you're going the right direction. And that's when you come to your senses is through the Word of God. You come to your senses when you examine the Scriptures and you commit your life to Christ. Evaluate your commitment to Christ. That's what this, During this Christmas time, evaluate, pray, God, how should I live for you? I want to reevaluate my life. Am I going the right direction? If I'm not, Lord, show me. And then get into the Word of God and let God speak to you, and He will show you just as He did to the prodigal son. Now, here is another example it's the thief on the cross. In verse 39, it says, And then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed Jesus, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and save us too. But the other answering rebuked him. The other thief said, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. The prodigal son reevaluated his life and he went back home to his father. The thief in the cross, he reevaluated his life and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today you need to reevaluate, re reexamine your heart. Am I following God during this Christmas time? I want to make my life count for something. I want to reevaluate. Am I going the right direction? That's what's important about Christmas. A lot of us get kind of turned off to Christmas, and here we go again, and we've got to buy gifts, and we've got to do all this ritual thing and hang out our Christmas lights. A lot of us love it. I mean, that's a fun time. I mean, I love, Yvonne and I always ask each other, what's your favorite time of the year? We say, well, it's, the, it's this time of the year. We love Christmas time. For me personally, I love October through December. I love it finally when it cools down, and I love raking leaves. I love uh, Thanksgiving time, and I love Christmas time. During this time, you need to evaluate, where do I stand with God? Am I going the right direction with you, Lord? And that's why 
I want to challenge us this year to read the Bible through in one whole year. You need to read the Bible through. You need to write this down. I need to read, evaluate my life. Am I going the right direction? Well, then you need to read the Bible through. From cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, read the Bible. Carry the Bible with you. Read it a few minutes before you go to work. Read it during your lunchtime. Read it after church, after work. Keep reading your Bible, and you'll get through. The important is that only the Word of God will be able to subject you to an understanding of a proper evaluation of whether you are really, truly living for God. And then the second thing I need to do to dedicate my li- is dedicate my life to Christ. This is how Christmas, this is why we celebrate Christmas. I need to dedicate my life to Christ. And that's what to dedicate means to die to myself, let Christ live through me. Die to yourself daily. A lot of us think, well, I don't want to die to myself. I want to live. I want to be, I want to be alive. I want to, I want to party on. Any of you ever say that? I want, to, I want to live? Well, you cannot live until you have died. That's what the Bible says. Look what it says here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. And the word for follow is the word akalutheo. Say that word. Akalutheo, to be in union, to be on the same road. I mean, it means literally to be on the same road with the one who knows where he's going. You want to be a follower of Christ. Too many of us, for too long, have been following the wrong people, or you've been following the wrong ideas, or the wrong message. And God is saying, I want you to cancel out all those messages that people are talking about, and I want you to get back to my message. I want you to be a follower of Christ. That's what Christmas is about, to be in union with God. And the akalutheo, uh, the, on the same road, uh, kaluo, that, that's the road, and theo is God, to be on the road with God, to be on the road with Christ, hand in hand with Jesus. You cannot get lost if you're on the road with Christ. You have direction. You have assurance. You have confidence. And that's what God wants from us today. And then that's why it says in John 12, 24, read this with me. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. That's what God wants for you in your life. God wants you to die to yourself. God wants you to die to your passions, your desires, your will, and start living for God's passions and desires and his will. That takes a lot. You know what you have to do is die to your pride. Say, God, okay, I've tried it my way. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to live for your way now. That's what it means. A gardener needs, and that's what I've learned from gardening. I love to propagate. I love to, to take, as a gardener, I, I love to take a, a, a branch or a, a part of a plant and cut it 
and then put it in the ground, that, that piece of a twig or a, from another plant, and bury it and put it in the dirt and to see it take off. I've done this with roses in my backyard. I'll, I'll, there's a rose bush, and I, and I really like that rose, and I'll cut it in the right formation direction and, and put it in the ground. And then a few months later, that what was considered a dead twig is blooming roses. A, a new plant has come from that dead, supposedly dead branch because it's been cut off, but it's been replanted. What God wants to do in your life is it's going to take some cutting. And we think, well, I don't want to be cut. I don't want to be pruned. I don't want to be... Uh, th- that hurts. It hurts the plant. We, say, well, what? we think, well, Louie, why are you cutting that, that, that plant? It's, it's, don't you want it to live? Yes, I want it to live. Therefore, I'm going to cut it because I want it to reproduce. And what God is saying, in your life, I want to do some cutting, I want to do some pruning, and I want to see some living. And that's what he's going to do for many of us as you give your life to Christ. And that's why, continuing on here in verse 25, it says, He, read it with me, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And then if anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. This is what God loves. He loves, loves servants. Jesus loves it when you're serving him. God loves it when you're serving his son, Jesus Christ. We need, and we have many servants in our church. That's what I love about Sarah Mesa Christian. I got, we have a lot of people here who are serving and working and, 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 and ministering in the name of the Lord. This is what it's all about. It's becoming a servant of God. That's what God has called us to do. And that's why I love in Galatians 2.20, read it with me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul was saying, if you want to start living, You've got to die to yourself. That's why he said, the day I accepted Christ is the day I started living. I've been crucified with Christ. That means that I'm no longer going to live for my own passions and desires, but I'm going to crucify myself with Christ. That means I'm going to do what God wants, and I'm going to start living with Christ who lives through him. And then in Philippians 1, 20 and 22, read it with me. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? Amen. The day you start living for Christ is the day you start gaining. The day you start, you die to yourself is the day you come alive. That is what God has called us to do, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. And the third reason why what Christmas challenges us to do is to serve God, to serve God. And that's what the example of Paul here on the road to Damascus, Saul on the road to Damascus says. And so I said, here, here was an interesting thing. Saul, whose name was changed from Saul to Paul, was on the road to Damascus, and he was persecuting Christians. He hated Christians. He hated Christianity. He hated this, this religion that was emerging that people were saying, follow Christ. He couldn't stand it. He was 
zealous for Judaism. He was a a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was somebody who was of a religious order that was so dedicated to Judaism, he despised Christianity. One day, he's on the road to Damascus to persecute more Christians, to interrogate them and to bring them in to prison. On that road, Jesus blinded him and knocked him to the ground. There was Paul on the ground, and he says, So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Can you imagine? When Saul was persecuting Christians, he was really persecuting Jesus. And that's what Jesus was telling Saul. Saul, you are persecuting me. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. What was the purpose? To make you a minister. Did you know that? That what God has done in your life by bringing you to Christ is to make you a minister of the gospel of Jesus. You are a minister. You are a minister here today. A lot of you are thinking, well, I didn't go to school to be trained to be a minister. I'm not really a minister. I'm just a, I just go to church. No, you are, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a minister. And that's what he's telling Saul. And a witness both of the things which you have seen and the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness and to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What Jesus is saying, I'm going to turn you, Saul, from being a religious person to become a servant of God, a minister of God, so that people will no longer be in darkness and the power of Satan, but now they will be delivered to be servants of God. That's what God wants to do in your life, to take you out of darkness, out of darkness, to become a servant of God in his light. That's why we're here today. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's what it reminds us of. That's what, whenever you think of a Christmas tree, think of, well, we have a Christmas tree in the back. Whenever you see a Christmas tree, think of new growth, new life. I have been crucified with Christ so that Christ can live through me. That's what Christmas was about. When you see the Christmas lights, think of you've got red. That means the blood of Jesus. You have uh, yellow, which signifies gold. That stands for heaven, that would God just give me access into his kingdom. You see blue, that means that, that mean, well, we could think of uh, baptism. I've been uh, baptizing Christ, and I'm, I'm living a new life for Christ. When you, when you see green, as new growth. Think of all the lights of Christmas. That is all symbolizing the newness that you have in Christ. And that's why I like this next verse in First Peter. Read it with me. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's when Yvonne led that team of carolers last night. They went to the bars last night, down to the streets, and here in Sarah Mesa. Yvonne loves to do caroling. She loves to sing in bars. I don't know why, but that's what 
She loves the singing bars. I tell you, when we used to live in Costa Rica in the 70s, says, Louie, are we going to go out tonight and sing in the bars? Yeah, we're going to go out and sing in the bars. But it was to bring people to Christ. And that's what Yvonne loves. She loves uh, when she went to the brig with uh, Tony and Gail uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, says, man, this is my home. I love being where the prisoners are at. Yvonne loves to be in prison, and she loves to be in the bars. That's the truth. She loves to be where those who are need Jesus. And she loves those who are down and out and those who are on the streets and those who are homeless. We all, as a church, need to be there where people need Jesus. But you know what? There's people also that need Jesus that are in the high-rise business buildings, too. That's where, like Craig, he likes to work with the business people and he, he, in the marketplace, and he loves to, to tell people about Christ and in his business. So wherever you're at, whether in the bar, in the prison, in the marketplace, bring Christ to those people. You are a minister to one another. So this Christmas, invite somebody to your house. Say, hey, come on over. We're going to have uh, just some sandwiches and just... Uh, uh, just hang out together. We're going to make some cookies together. We're going to, whatever it is, bring Christ into your home and bring the light of Christ from your life so that people can know Jesus. That's what this church is about. That's why it was founded. That's what this, the vision of our church is, is to reach San Diego for Christ and reach the world for Jesus. Amen? Amen.